This week on TSR, we catch up on the movies and the shows we've been watching. Goodbye, Captain America. Hello, Captain Marvel. Star Wars Rebels and the importance of killing your darlings. And it's my first episode as a corpse. All that and more on this episode of TSR. back it's tsr number 186 uh hey nancy how you doing good brian how are you i am you should silence your phone i should silence my phone (laughs) you're shaming me because your phone was unsilenced right there no that wasn't mine that was yours that was my phone did i get a twitter notification you did (laughs) what twitter notification did i get oh whatever (laughs) probably that i retweeted the Come listen to Tashi Station tweet. Oh, right. Okay. (laughs) Welcome to live podcasting. We are live to drive, as we always are, because I am too lazy to edit. (laughs) Uh, So, Nancy, this week Mark Hamill killed you. He did kill me, but I'm glad. I I I'm happy to be a corpse. I am. I'm going to let you tell this story because it, because it is so beautiful. And I'm while you're telling us, I'm going to enjoy this uh, Cigar City highlight. Florida okay. Brewing Company. Okay. So um, I can't even remember how it started. I tweeted just randomly onto my timeline that I was, were there any gifts of Ray, of, of the first lesson with Luke rolling his eyes at Ray and smacking her? Like I needed them for reasons. And uh, Bria, our managing editor Bria at Chaos Bria, tweeted me a link to a tumblr gift set and i was like thank you very much this is great so i tweeted the link or tweeted the gif and then at star wars tweeted at us at both of us responded with a one of the gifts but like a longer gif and then bria was like wait star wars you take requests they're like it's international day of happiness we're feeling you know generous so (laughs) i said (laughs) Please tell Mark Hamill I love him. K, thanks. You know, just a joke. As you do. Yeah. Um, So, and a bunch of other people jumped into our mentions to, like, ask for things from Star Wars. And I'm like, hey, do this on your own timeline, people. Uh, So, and then, like, then Star Wars (laughs) uh, responded to that tweet saying, uh, I should bring, I should bring it up because I have it. It's it's my pinned mint tweet. I'm shocked that this is your <laughs> pinned tweet. By the way, just absolutely shocked. Listen, shush. Okay, so I said, please tell Mark Hamill I love him. K, thanks. And Star Wars responded, "Hi, at Hamill himself. Hope you're doing well. We've been asked to let you know that Nancy loves you, and because it's International Day of Happiness, we couldn't refuse. See you soon, your friend at Star Wars." Uh, currently, that tweet has 39 retweets and 615 likes, which is why I've muted this thread. <laughs> uh, so that happened that night, and I was just cracking up. And Bri and I were commiserating in DMs because 
we were tagged in that treat, so we were getting all the notifications, and it was just ridiculous. So everyone was like, oh my god, he's going to tweet you back. I'm like, no, he's overseas right now. He's probably asleep, you know, whatever. <laughs> and I remember uh, our friend Heath uh, tweeted something like uh, uh, a sum e-card of, like, when people tell your crush how much you talk about <laughs> and I was just like, oh my god. And then I like I tweeted on my timeline like, uh, hey Mark, um, just so you know, in case you like look at my timeline, I'm not a creeper. I just really respect you as an actor and I, I loved you in the last shit and I hope you have a nice day. <laughs> so So the next morning I wake up, I check Twitter. Didn't see anything. Saw a bunch of people like, you know, liking and retweeting it. And I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. F- fine. I figured if he was going to respond, he would have done so already because he was overseas. Go to work. Uh, you know, do get ready for work. Check Twitter. And I see 20 plus notifications. And I, I figured, oh, it's just, you know, people retweeting that. Uh, and then I scroll through my notifications and I start to see... People quote tweeting or people going, oh, my God, Nancy, are you dead? Are you okay?" And I was like, oh, shit, he responded. (laughs) And then I saw someone quote tweet his response and being like, oh, my God, Nancy. And I'm like, oh, okay." So then I scrolled back down further through my mentions and I actually saw the tweet from him, which was red heart times three. You back. With the uh, gif of Han Solo saying, I know. Which, can I just pause and say how hilarious it is that Mark Hamill is tweeting a gif of Han Solo? (laughs) But yes, so I said, please tell Mark Hamill I love him, Kay, thanks. And he responded, love you back, exclamation point. Nancy's making a chin chin hands. Hard eyes. Hard eyes thing right now. So yes, I died. So my pinch tweet right now is, um, hey guys, this is my first tweet as a corpse with that <laughs> quoted. Oh, you. Yeah. I'm mostly angry that I wasn't there when he responded to see your reaction. It, it really was not anything special. Like, it literally was me sitting at my desk at work looking through Twitter and going like, Oh, okay. And like, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool, be cool. Because I can't like run around the office being like, Mark Hamill tweeted at me because people at my office think social media is a devil. So, like, but it was awesome. And I never, I didn't even tell my mom about that yet. I should tell her. You you should. I know. But then you'd have to explain Twitter to her. Oh, no, she understands Twitter, kind of. But sort yeah. of. So yeah, I I then I like I responded to that tweet. I kept going like frantically ads one day Mark Hamill told me he loved me on Twitter to my bio. Uh <laughs> what else did I I can't remember. But yeah, it was um Yeah, so I'm dead. You had a more interesting week than I did. <laughs> did you? Yeah, you had a much more interesting week than I did. Cuz Mark Hamill didn't tell you he loved you. <laughs> Every other week will be crap compared to that one (laughs) i i can't argue with this i really cannot argue with this (laughs) by the way mark hamill is on my list so brian is fine with him telling me he loved me we both have our lists yeah 
it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's all fine. So, yep, he told me he loved me. The end. The (laughs) end. (laughs) Moving on. I just want to let you all know, we have no show next week, Mm -hmm. but for a good reason. Yes. What is that reason? We're going to be at AwesomeCon. A reminder, uh, we will be on three panels. Which will be recorded, at least. The plan is to record it. Yes. I have tentative permission to plug in our field recorder into their mixer so we'll get nice clean audio. Nice. That we can upload, if all goes well, the same day. Yes. So you and I are on the Redemption and Star Wars panel, which is Friday at 5 p.m. You are on the Star Wars Multimedia Empire Saturday at 11.30 a.m. That's being run by uh, Kate and Chris from book wars pod and then i am on the woman of star wars panel sunday at 1 30 and that will be very cool because we'll be joined by ek johnston who wrote ahsoka very cool indeed yeah and uh bria will bria will also be on the rampant speculation in a galaxy far far away panel which is saturday at 12 30 so two panels in a row hooray Good stuff. And there's lots of other Star Wars stuff happening at AwesomeCon. Um, Juna Sutamo, who is uh, Chewbacca, is going to be there. And I'm hoping to go to his panel because he's adorable. Uh, John Boyega is going to be there. I doubt we will get to go to his panel because lines. But if we're able to, that would be fantastic. Uh, they will have a photo op with BB-8. And also, the coolest, I think, they're going to have a costume and prop exhibit for The Last Jedi. So we will get to see Luke Skywalker's costume. I will be bringing my camera with me, and we will have uh, photos from there that we will throw on the blog so you can all check out. Now, it will probably be the the Acto, like, non-Jedi costume. Uh, I would die if they actually had the crate costume. The crate costume, yeah. (laughs) Yes. So yeah, cool Ryan, stuff. But yeah, um, again, we're going to be trying to record as many of these panels as possible, yeah. and uh, if all goes well, I should be able to edit those and post them day of. Yeah. Uh, but uh, while we won't have a TSR next week, um, we'll have we these. will have a bunch of panel audio. Yes. For y'all to enjoy. Yes. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, hey, we have a BuzzFeed quiz. We do have one. It'll be fun. Okay, what what's the BuzzFeed quiz this week? These seven questions r- will reveal which Marvel character actually matches your personality. Oh boy. So, here we go. This is easy. Pick a villain. Loki, Thanos, Ultron, Hela, Red Skull, Vulture. Oh, Hela. 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 <laughs> which who is Vulture? He must have been in one of the movies we never we didn't see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm torn between Loki and Hela, but I only really like Loki and Ragnarok, so... Yeah, I'm sorry, but Thor Ragnarok was confirmation to me that I am exceedingly bisexual because, (laughs) yeah, Chris Hemsworth and Kate Blanchett as Hela, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm, I am very, very bisexual. Yes. Okay, pick a superpower. Strength, invisibility, mind control, super speed, flight, not no powers, just a lot of money. Okay, well the last one there is the Tony Stark one. Yeah. I want to f- flight. I want to fly. Damn it, we're picking the same ones again. That's cuz you and I are on the same wavelength here. Mainly I just want to fly to work. Okay, pick a DC hero. Do I have to? 
uh, Supergirl, Batman, Superman, The Flash, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. It's actually Supergirl for me. Really? Yeah. You didn't even watch the show, though. I know enough to know that Kara is Kara is awesome. Okay. Um, I even though I loved uh Wonder Woman, I'm going to pick Superman because Superman has been always my favorite. You're going with the Dean Kane soups here, aren't yes, you? Yes, I am. Uh pick a superhero TV show. Oh, this will mm, be good. Okay. <laughs> uh Jessica Jones, Gotham, Arrow, Agents of Shield, Daredevil, Legion. <laughs> Brian. I mean, the only one I really have any exposure to is Agents of <laughs> Me Shield. Too. We haven't seen any of them. Uh, so I'll pick that one. I feel like Agents of Shield is going to be one of those shows I binge when it's done. Yeah. Uh, pick a member of the X-Men. Quicksilver, Wolverine, Storm, Rogue, Jean Grey, Beast. Who am I? Who am I? You can't pick Wolverine, too. Why not? Because that's what I'm going to pick. So? Uh, I'm Wolverine! Oh, my God. Uh, Pick a sci-fi movie from the last decade. Pacific Rim, Blade Runner 2049, Annihilation, Ex Machina, Mad Max Fury Road, or Star Wars The Force Awakens. Oh, come on. (laughs) It's unfair. Fair. We should not be able to pick that one. Okay, do we want to exclude TFA from this? Yes, let's okay. exclude TFA for that one. Um, I know what you're going to pick. Yeah, I'm definitely going Pacific Rim. I'm going to pick Fury Road. Okay. Uh, pick a character to have a crush on. Scarlet Witch, Bucky Barnes, Nakia, Thor, or Nakia, Thor, Star-Lord, Gamora. Okay, you and I are both going to have the same answer. <laughs> Thor? I'm sorry, he's really pretty. You're not going to pick Bucky? No. Who because, the hell is Bucky? Because Chris Hemsworth and Thor are really pretty, okay? But not Nakia. She's, if if I liked girls, she'd be who I'd pick. I mean, yes, Nakia is awesome, mm-hmm. but Thor is Thor. <laughs> True. Okay, Thor. <laughs> Yay! We got Captain America. <laughs> I also got Steve Rogers, Captain America. <laughs> You're always worrying about doing the right thing, and people are, are surprised that you act a lot older than you look. <laughs> what? <laughs> that you always Stop you- judging me for liking Scott. I mean, that's true. You people think I'm younger than I am, I which I don't know what that means. Um you also have a strong sense of justice and it really bothers you when something doesn't seem fair. That's true. You're something of a leader and prefer to be in charge rather than go by someone else's rules. I don't know if that describes me. I don't think me. that's true. But, I, even, but even when you are leading something, you try to be diplomatic and listen to everyone's input. I don't think that... Eh. I mean, I like being Steve Rogers, Captain America, but I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know if I'm someone who's perceived as being in charge. I mean, I, I I do actively seek out consensus and input, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I'm someone that likes being in charge. Yeah, I yeah I um yeah I mean I like being in charge for some things when I'm also cool going with the flow for other things. So yeah, I yeah it depends. Well, I mean, this is the whole thing of why I'm the content editor here i'm happy letting everyone else do their own thing and i'll just make everything sound pretty yeah 
Yeah. But that's just me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was our BuzzFeed quiz for the week. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. Moving on. Should we talk about stuff? News. News and things we've been up to? News stuff things. <laughs> yeah, why not? We went and saw Pacific Rim Uprising. There was robots fighting robots. Or robots fighting robots. And then some kaiju. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, what did you think of it? Because you have a lot more fondness of the original movie than I do. I've only seen it twice, and once was on Thursday before seeing it again. Yeah, listen, I love Pacific Rim. I think it is a love letter to kaiju films, to a segment of film-going audiences that appreciate... A certain kind of film. There was a lot of heart in the original one. It was. It had Guillermo del Toro's fingerprints all over it. Mm-hmm. Uprising lacked all of that soul. Yeah. I mean, it had John Boyega being charismatic, but for me, that was all it had going for it. Yeah, John Boyega is ridiculously charismatic <laughs> the thing with the ice cream toppings was hilarious <laughs> uh but yeah um i i mean i thought it was fine the one thing i like about movie pass is that we end up going to see more movies that we wouldn't necessarily have seen yeah so yeah I mean, it wasn't like Independence Day Resurgence bad. Oh, God, that was bad. But it wasn't great. Yeah, I mean, it It was fine. It really seemed like it was lacking Guillermo del Toro's Yeah. And you passion. had And you had one major issue with it, which we will discuss later on in our discussion topic. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I also went to go see Love, Simon, and I absolutely loved it. I legit can't stop thinking about it. I I sort of want to go see it again and not wait until video. That's how much I enjoyed it. It is a teen rom-com. It is like you're yelling at these characters to stop being, stop doing dumb things but they're also super charming and it's got all the tropes of all the teen movies that you love. Uh, but it's, you know, the has a gay lead character. I've seen this film described as a Hughes film for a queer audience. John yeah. Hughes. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, I think it's just a John Hughes movie for all audiences, but it's just got a gay main character, you know? Um, like I, I, I cried several times, you know, and it was it was just very touching and heartfelt. Um, I actually find that uh, I'm at the age now when I find myself relating more to the parents than the kids, which I hate. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was really well made. It was it was funny. It was sweet. Like that's the best word I can describe to used to describe it it was sweet and it's you know sad at points but it has a happy ending and it's a movie like i think i saw people um criticize it, it generally has good reviews i think it's like 91 percent on rotten tomatoes all of the negative reviews i've seen have said that 
it's not um it doesn't give the topic of coming out enough gravitas, um, which I think is wrong because at the point during the movie when that actually happens is like very much the all is lost moment of the movie. Not that coming out is, you know, an all is lost moment, but it's the way it happens in the movie. Um, he's, you know, it's not a good situation. I mean, it's not his choice, basically. Uh and um but like it's just it's so normal like it's just such a normal movie and i don't see why that's a bad thing (laughs) well and i mean i haven't seen the film but i push back against the notion that films about queer characters need to have all this gravitas behind it all of this a coming out story needs to be dramatic. It needs to have a lot of emotional heft and weight behind it, where why can't characters about queer leads get their John Hughes moments? Why can't they have a dramatic comedy or a romantic comedy? Why can't they have yeah. the John Hughes coming-of-age archetype story that straight characters have enjoyed forever yeah and that's to me where a film like love simon is actually rather subversive is that it takes this queer lead and puts them into these tropes and these archetypes that are typically reserved for um for straight characters Mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's he's very much the prototypical teen boy who just happens to be gay and i think you know saying i I, there was a there was a time think piece that came out before this movie came out and it was it was enraging for me as a straight person and i had several friends who just like went off on how awful it was um basically saying how it's now that we have gay marriage, there's really no need for movies like this. And I'm like, what? Like, like basically that we've we've that that fight has been won. So maybe we should have movies that are about like more like uh, other things. And I'm like, well, no, th- a movie <laughs> like this, a movie like this is not just for a queer audience. It's not. It's for a <laughs> everyone. Stri- it's for a straight audience to normalize queerness for them. Yeah. And that's the important that's why it's important to take queer characters and allow them to have these tropes that straight characters have always yeah. had because well, doing that normalizes it. Yeah, it's so like it's so ordinary. Like and that's you know what he says in the opening monologue is like, you know, my I have a very ordinary life. I actually I think his life isn't ordinary because his family's very wealthy and he, you know, has a car and like he he's very much a white upper middle class but uh you know the the point is you know he's just a a teen kid and it's not it shouldn't be weird that they're gay and um it's it's like when we were talking about when we went to see a wrinkle in time and you know the mr and mrs murray are a biracial couple and it's just presented as is and they don't have to call it out and it's just completely normal because that is completely normal 
Absolutely. So yeah, I I really loved it, and I high, highly recommend it. Um, and I am excited for it to come out on Blu-ray, so I can buy it and then have you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I really like this new TSR format because it's letting us talk about films like this. Yeah. All right, moving on. Hey, we've been catching up on season two of The Expanse. We are so far behind, but we're getting caught up finally. Yes. I think we've now rewatched all the episodes we saw before, and now we're seeing new episodes. I think we have six more left. Um, And they, I think it comes out in eight. April 11th. Uh, April eleventh. Oh crap! We need to hurry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they just came out with a new trailer for season three today, and I um I did not watch it because I don't want to spoil myself for the rest of season two. But that came out today on Sci Fi Channel. So if you want to go watch that, um, it's I like science fiction on TV, and I like Eva Solara, especially now that she gets to curse. So, uh, we. Uh, I also have been watching The Crown Season 2 while I've been exercising uh, on my treadmill. And um, basically, The Crown Season 2 has can be described as F Prince Philip. <laughs> like, I've only been hearing the latest season while you're in here in the office, while I'm over in the living room. Uh-huh. And even that, I'm like, just F Prince Philip. He's such a jerk. Like... Uh, I just he's such such a jerk and I mean it's it's a good show I like it a lot but like uh, I, uh, and like I feel bad because Matt Smith is so good he is really really good and I hate him because <laughs> he's so good uh, the current episode I'm on is about like Charles going to the school where Philip went because he wants him to be a tough man and not be coddled at Eton. And as Elizabeth is like, no, we're taking him out. He's, you know, he's unhappy. And it's not just, he's not just your son. He's a future king. And Philip's like, remember the promises you made to me, woman. And I'm like, what about the promises you made to her? He's such a jerk. So, yeah. Brian has just taken his X-Wing and is now flying it through the air. <laughs> How drunk are you, Brian? <laughs> I always do this during podcasts. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> you, that is true, listeners. He always does that. I have a 1995 Action Fleet Wedge Antilles X-Wing <laughs> that I just keep next to me while I'm recording. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So we've Prince Philip's the worst. He's the worst. The worst. <laughs> yeah. Um... We so we've also been trying to catch up with the expanse, but we're also starting our MCU rewatch before Infinity War comes out. Thankfully, we have more time to do that because we're only doing 10 movies. Yeah, we're not rewatching everything. Yeah, because we don't necessarily like everything. But uh, we started on Saturday with the Avengers. You can never pay me enough wa money to watch Iron Man 3 again. I never saw it once, so. <laughs> <laughs> don't um but yeah we started with the avengers and uh it's a really good movie i like it a lot <laughs> it is a good movie i really I always, like the first Avengers. i always movie. forget how effective it is at doing what it needs to do um so yeah we we watched that uh we're also going to do the winter soldier guardians of the galaxy age of ultron ant-man 
Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, and Ragnarok. And we have not seen Ant-Man, Doctor Strange, or Homecoming. So those are all on Netflix, so we can just watch those while we're chilling out doing other things preethi if you're listening we're really sorry we haven't watched the spider-man homecoming i'm yet. not i'm not a huge spider-man fan sorry what i'm not a huge spider-man fan i've never been a huge spider-man fan so i but peter's great it's a i am sure i'm not a huge spider-man fan okay okay <laughs> but yeah um uh so yeah we've been doing that and um i i actually have only seen winter soldier and civil war once uh i am not a big fan of those movies so but i'm making myself watch them again (laughs) to see maybe if i if i glean something else in a second viewing i liked winter soldier much more than i like civil war Mm -hmm. because civil war was essentially just iron man 4 it was avengers 3 but except fighting the bad guys, they were fighting each other. I mean, there other. was a great Captain America short film in Civil War. I just, I hate the trope. I hate superheroes fighting against one another. I hate it. Like, the that, the part in the Avengers when they're, when Thor comes in and they're all fighting each other. It, I hate it. I hate it. It's, it's stupid. It's pointless. Loki's right there. Fight him. Um, I don't mind conflict between heroes, but like... The actual fighting. And that's what I hate about Civil War. Like, when it, they're just talking and debating, I can deal with that. But then it's like, okay, we have to have this fight now. And I'm just like, oh my god, stop it, stop it, stop it. You would have hated Civil War 1 and 2 in the comics. I mean... It was terrible. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Moving on, Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth... Are getting Speaking back. of Thor they're Ragnarok. Getting the band, they're getting the band back together. Speaking of Thor Ragnarok. They are getting together to do a Men in Black spinoff. Now, before you would have said those two names, I would have been like, I don't need a Men in Black spinoff. Yeah. Putting them together, I absolutely Is need a, a Men in Black spinoff. Or a reboot. Uh, I can't they, remember. It's described as a spinoff. Okay. I don't know what that means, but it's Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth. Right. Just doing something. Mm-hmm. I'm here for that. Yeah, I agree. There, I and I am here for Chris Hemsworth being funny and everything. Right, he has such amazing comedic timing, and he does not get any credit. Right, for how good of a comedic actor he's he is. So funny. Yeah. Um. Also, in Marvel news, I think we knew this already, but there was like a New York Times article going around, and so everyone was talking about it. Where, um. Chris uh, Evans is officially done playing Captain America after Avengers 4. Uh, apparently, he's filmed stuff for it already, but we, you know, he 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 could still die in uh, Avenger in Infinity War and have flashbacks. So we we don't know. Um, but yeah, he's going to be done. And um, I just have to say, if they kill Cap, uh, they better also kill Tony. <laughs> yeah. Like, I will take Cap dying uh-huh. for Tony also dying and paving the way for a T'Challa, Captain Marvel leadership duo over the future. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't think they have to die. Like, I, I, I'm, not a, I'm not the type of person who's like, I don't like this character. They need to die. Um, I would just like to see Tony and Cap 
step aside. Like, even an I love Cap, I also think it's time for him to step aside. You know? Well, I mean, I hate I hate Tony. Yeah. I wouldn't, I'd prefer he die. Send your hate mail to brian at tashi-station.net. <laughs> okay, Brian. <laughs> I'm trying to make a point here. <laughs> But yeah, um, I I just I, I you know they might die, they might not, but um, he's going to be done playing Cap. So yeah, we do need to shift to new heroes, and uh, there was some Captain Marvel casting news today, which the film is in production now. So they have uh, uh, Jimon Hansu and Lee Pace are back from Guardians of the Galaxy playing uh, Ronan, and um, I don't remember who jimon hansu plays the guy who said who yeah he play. He, it's he's a one of ronin's enforcers and then um uh who are the other people i'm saving the one one guy for last uh i mean uh nick fury yes nick fury I'm, uh yes yeah, sam saving. jackson yes is back as nick fury and uh son of cool is back <laughs> phil colson <laughs> His first name is Agent. <laughs> I'm very excited. Um, I know he's on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I don't watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but um, it will be cool to see him in a movie again. And this is set in the 90s, so it'll be very interesting. It'll be very interesting to see how they explain where Captain Marvel has been all this time. Because if this movie is set in the 90s, and she hasn't been around in, like, the contemporary Marvel movies. Like, it was she elsewhere in the galaxy at this point, at, you know, while all that fighting was going on and comes back for Infinity War or, you know, Avengers 4? Um, no clue. All I know is the movie needs to start out with something by Alanis Morissette. <coughs> I mean, they need to have... You want to know? I'm dying, Brian. You talk. <laughs> Please don't die. Careful. <coughs> Do not inhale your water. Talk. But yes, I really want this movie to start with uh, something by Alanis Morissette because the film's supposedly set in the 90s, and I can't, cannot think of a soundtrack that works better. They need to have a fight scene set to You Ought to Know. They really do. They do. It would be fantastic. And they need to do it. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Do it, Marvel. But yeah, I'm excited about this movie because I am famous for not reading comics. And um, so I, but I know everyone loves Captain Marvel. And so I'm excited to see her in film and, you know, get introduced to her. And maybe if I like her, then I'll go read the comics. I know, everyone. Yell at me to read the comics. I'm still not going to do it. Okay, but what if I pick up a couple trades on sale of the Kelly Sue DeConnick okay, run? But I still have to read them. And you know how that how that works. But they're so good. Okay, but you know how I am with comics. It doesn't happen. I'm sorry, everyone. I'm still working to get you. you to read Ms. Marvel. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Ms. Marvel is so good, and the world would be a better place if everyone read Ms. Marvel. Well, it's my fault. The world sucks then. <laughs> I'm sorry I don't just read comics. 
All right, moving on to the Star Wars corner. The Star Wars corner. The Star Wars corner. The Star Wars corner. Uh, we've got some new forces and des- <laughs> forces of We're doing destiny really good today. episodes. Yeah, we should probably talk about this after we watch them. Well, you saw one of them. Well, I saw the one with Mark Hamill in it because I'm trash and. He's playing Luke. So, of course, the first the first and only episode of Forces of Destiny I watched is with the guy. I know. I'm terrible. It's my fault. But he was playing Whiny Luke again, and it was cute. It was pretty cute. I do, I, I do want to watch all these. Eventually, I'll just, like, queue them up all on YouTube. Or, like, while I'm treadmilling, I'll probably queue them all up and watch them. But I think one of the reasons I don't, I haven't watched them is because... Like, they're all the movie characters and stuff, which is cool, but, like, I think I'd be way more interested in watching them if it was, like, Afra or Aiden Versio or Ray Sloan, you know? Because we don't get stuff with those characters. Like, we they're, they're from books, and then they're, you know, in games and comics, and, like, yes, we have, you know, Afras in a comic, but it would be so cool to see them in a actual, like, animated thing. Yeah. So... That's my push for Forces of Destiny. Please bring lesser-known characters to the forefront. Please and thank you. Meanwhile, Looking for Leia, that was a documentary film. It is now going to be a six-part uh, mini-docu-series. I think that's a great idea. They have a lot of content, and they I saw like how they're separating the episodes, and it's, like, it's really cool. Um, so I hope they get picked up by someone <coughs> cough netflix please that would be great great and finally there's a new star wars a mainline comic arc a mutiny at mon cala and we actually read one of the episode one of the issues <laughs> i read a comic you guys see there, there's 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 a few things that will get me to read comics one of them is post return of the jedi Another one is pilots. <laughs> I mean, I just want to talk about how great last week was as far as comic releases go. In addition to Star Wars 45 that featured a bunch of Rogue Squadron favorites, there was Poe Dameron. Mm-hmm. There Which was, I need to catch up Yeah, on. there was Runaways by Marvel and Ms. Marvel. That was a great comics week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they are going heavy on the pilots in the last episode the last issue uh wedge i i read it because wedge and luke were on the cover and i like i asked uh bria do i need to read this and she's like yes so i said okay and that was the day uh mark hamill tweeted at me so that was a good day um so i read it and you know luke hangs out with wedge and then also hobby and uh, Zev Sineska are there. And I think I saw Wes Jansen in the background. If anyone wants to confirm that to me, please do. Yeah, but I was like, oh, cool. And I, I think I think they're aiming for Rogue Squadron uh, to uh, to appear, to form. And I, I am all for that. I am waiting for that so much, um, especially if they bring in other rogues from Legends, like mainly Taiko Selchu. Tycho for canon 2018. Like, I, I've i said this before. I seriously think Tycho is the character of Legends I want most to come back to canon. Like, I, and I mean, and I say this as someone who named their dog Mara. 
uh, <laughs> I just think Tycho would be the the easiest um, to port over, and I just I can't imagine Rogue Squadron without him. Um, so I really, really hope that they do that. Um, at least if they don't do it in the comic, they just don't name everyone in Rogue Squadron, so I can headcanon him in there. But I really hope they do it. Really? He's the easiest character from he Legends to port over. One. He is an Alderanian defector. And, like... There's nothing you need to change. I mean, at this about his point, backstory. bringing him in would be an amazing contrast to Nash Windrider. It would, and I mean, you can explain like why he wasn't at Yavin. Well, because he was in the Empire, and you can like have him relate to Hobby and and Wedge because they were also flying in the Empire. So, I, I just, I really hope that they do it. <laughs> do it, Kieran Gillen. Mm-hmm. Do it. Yeah, please. All right, let's shift on over to Cammy's concerns. How we we still name this segment Cammy's concerns, right? Yes, especially now. Especially Cammy now. is canon again. I mean, she's always been canon. But thanks, Jason. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, we're going to talk about Star Wars Rebels, and more importantly, the importance of killing your darlings. Yes. Do you want to do a little intro on this one? Yes. So, um. Star Wars Rebels ended earlier uh, this month, and rather than just do a review of the episodes and of of Rebels as a whole, um, we we gave our comments on the blog um, and on Twitter. We thought we'd approach it from a different angle. Um, You know, Rebels did some things we liked. They did some things we very much disliked, and... I think one of the things Rebels did in the Clone Wars before it is they didn't commit to killing off characters. And I know people will yell at me and say, well, Kanan. Yes, Kanan happened. Kanan died. And I feel like that is an example of a good death. It was fitting with his character it was fitting for Ezra and the other characters as well. Um, it was, you know, while I disagree with some of the choices surrounding things that happened in that episode, I think, you know, he he got to go out in a blaze of glory, you know, and accept his Jedi identity again. And it was fine. Um, but you contrast that to Ezra, who I actually am less annoyed about because of the way it went down where he like is basically taken off the chessboard um he can come back later on but he's he's gone like they have no idea where he is and it's so you can explain why he's not in the galaxy i kind of think it's a cop out (laughs) but at least he's not around but then you have ahsoka Oh, Ahsoka. And I will preface this by saying I have no problems with Ahsoka as a character. I like Ahsoka as a character, and I think that's why it bothers me so much. Um, I think her walking away from the Jedi Order in the Clone Wars was a great for her character. I thought it was a beautiful end to that arc. 
And I think the fact that we ended up seeing her again in Rebels was not far-fetched. You know, she's been working with the Rebellion. She has an undercover identity of Fulcrum. And I thought it made perfect sense. And I thought, okay, Ahsoka's going to come back to the series. And then she's going to confront Vader and she's going to die. And I think the fact that everyone expected that to happen is why De Filoni didn't do it. <laughs> oh, I don't think that's why he didn't do it. I think well, he didn't do it because he just can't pull the trigger on it. Well, on her specifically. Yeah. But I also think I also think you know there's a there's some there's a idea in fandom that doing the expected thing is bad, and I think at times yes that is true. Doing the expected thing is bad. But I also think sometimes it's the expected thing because it's the only way a certain yeah, story can the, end. Sometimes the expected thing is the natural progression of a character arc. Right. And to deviate from that is to do an M. Night Shyamalan thing right. in which you're throwing a twist in there that yeah. makes no logical sense. And in this case... Like, it played out, the whole episode is in a, a Twilight of the Apprentice, is that Ahsoka was going to die. She's fighting Vader. She sacrifices herself so Kanan and Ezra can get away. The temple blows up. You see Vader walking away from the temple, you know, beaten and bruised. And then you see Ahsoka walk back inside the temple. And you're like, what the hell? What just happened? How did, what, what? Uh, fast forward to two years later, when Ezra... Uh, grabs her out from Malachor into the world between worlds and literally like changes her fate. And people will say, well, Ahsoka never died. You, we, we knew that already. So he's not really changing anything. I'm like, but he is changing it. We just didn't realize it until now. Because if he had not done that, she would have died. Um, and they make a point of saying he can't save Kanan because Kanan made his choice, but yet Ezra does the same thing to Ahsoka. And it's really, it's meta, it's hell, because it's Dave literally yanking Ahsoka out into safety. <laughs> yeah, and, I mean... And, like, it's, it's even, it, you know, if you have to invent this sort of world between worlds pseudo time traveling in order to save a character and like teach another character a lesson that is you writing yourself that is you writing yourself into a corner right and creating a giant paradox that you didn't need to do when no matter how you look at it mm -hmm. it's a case where you need to let the character go and I, for the sake of the story. Yeah. And I understand Ahsoka means a lot to people and it, they, they're really happy that she survives. But when does her survival come at the expense of her character? Like, we saw her at the end of the Rebels ep epilogue. You know, she's Ahsoka the White now. She's got a staff and she, like, comes and gets Sabine and they go off to find Ezra. But you're left with all these questions. What has she been doing for the past four years? Because this takes place after Endor. Uh, so at least four years have gone by um, from the end of Rebels, possibly more. Um, what was she doing? Was she been on Malachor that whole time? Like, did she manage to get... Obviously, she managed to get off of Malachor. How did that happen? 
Uh, and like, if she was, if she did get off the planet, why did she not go back to the rebellion? Why did she not help them? Um, it well, it opens up what we always used to stay in the expanded universe when these ancient Jedi always started mm-hmm. coming back. Where the hell were you when people were dying and planets were getting blown up? Right. And, like, that's why I didn't have much problem with Kanan as a character. Like, the idea of a of an Order 66 survivor, you know, changing his identity and hiding and, like, makes sense, you know. That well, Kanan, some- for, a, Kanan for a stretch, had made a choice where he's like, yeah, I'm walking away from this. Right. And people will say Ahsoka did too, but Kanan came back to the fight. Like, compare Kanan's arc to Ahsoka's. Kanan ran... I mean, he didn't walk away. He was forced away because all the Jedi died. And he knew that was his only choice for survival. And he, uh, you know, he was brought back into the fight, you know, became a rebel and sacrificed himself for his friends and his loved ones and his apprentice um ahsoka basically had the similar arc she walked away from the jedi order um but then she was brought back into the fight with the rebellion she met up with kanan and ezra um she still said she wasn't the jedi but she you know she decided to confront anakin and her past and instead of Going out in a blaze of glory, uh, she ends up coming back. And you're like, okay, but what were you doing? Because it kind of hurts that characterization if they're not helping out. This is why people get so angry about The Last Jedi and Luke Skywalker's role in The Last Jedi is because they say Luke wouldn't run away when things got bad and he just went off to Octo while... um you know, while everyone was dying and why didn't he try to fix everything? So people will just rag on him for doing that. But Ahsoka's kind of doing the same thing. (laughs) Well, and you kind of have to look at this at a meta-narrative arc. Um, Like, I agree with people when they say that killing a character is an overused and often lazy way to write a character arc. Mm -hmm. I mean, and there are shows in the past that have done this, like, look at Battlestar Galactica. That just lived on killing characters for the sake of killing characters. Um, But I don't want people to think that um, that ending a character, killing a character is just off the table because there are certain points in which that progression is the natural end point for an arc. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with Ahsoka in particular, um, that end point should have been her confronting Vader, mm-hmm. her falling at Vader's hands. Um, because not only does that finalize her arc, mm-hmm. um, it gives a little more to Vader. It gives a little more to... Um, it gives a little more to the rebel cell and it shows that Ahsoka has always been with this sort of resistance arc. Right. And I feel like 
not ending that there was a bit of a cop out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I you know I I'm sure we'll I'm sure we'll get more of of Ahsoka after after this, but like. I it's good to be really hard for them to convince me what was she doing um you know and 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 of course they can be like well she was fighting with the rebellion this whole time and it's like okay did she ever meet Luke Skywalker did she ever talk to Luke Skywalker about his father uh you know what how did that go why did well, they why did they not is, ever meet what's this is going the, on this ah. is the other problem <laughs> in order to have her con- existence be there you have to really retcon a lot of what goes on in the films. And for me, I don't know if the story group is necessarily at this point anymore. Part of me wonders if the story group puts more weight now into Dave Filoni's animated properties than they do anything else. But allowing these threads from animated properties that the general star wars engaging public aren't consuming um kind of creates this weird schism Mm -hmm. and if you're if you're only really consuming the films you'll you look over and see like a wiki about ahsoka and you're like why isn't this mentioned anywhere in the films right She's, if so, she's, she's out, so important. If she is this important, why was she ne- why did she never interact with Luke mm-hmm. in the films? Right. Why was he presented as being on his own? Why wasn't she there at any point to talk about Vader? Mm-hmm. And I like I like I I don't I I don't know want to say like every medium should be segregated into its own thing. Like I do like when the stuff is all connected, but you know, the, we accept that Star Wars is a film first franchise. That's why Legends was well, made Legends. And I feel like you and I are especially understanding of this because we are we Book came fans. into this fandom from a literature right. perspective. I mean, my and we always knew that literature was always supplemental yeah. to the film. I mean, my big thing is I wanted Ray Sloan to be on Rebels. Yeah. You know, like I I have no I have no dreams of ever seeing Thrawn in a movie. But Thrawn in the TV show, I wanted that as soon as like Rebels became a thing. And like him being in Rebels was just like the the biggest thing I could ever imagine. I never had any Yeah. I never had any expectations of book characters or comic characters being in a movie. But um, there's there's this incongruous weight yeah. that seems to be applied to it seems like they, animation versus right. film. Like people are wanting to put weight on the animated shows the same weight they do on Rebels as they do like The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi. And like I I mean, I don't want to say they're not as important because I don't like I mean, it, saying some stories aren't as important as is, others, but it's an audience it factor. It is all connected, but... But there's also an audience factor, like, and we, it is... We would be ridiculed for saying that 
literature should have the same importance and weight as the films. Right. And I feel like it's the same way with television and animation. Like, right. you can't possibly expect the general film-going populace to be aware of what's going on in these animated shows. Right. And I think a lot of people do know who Ahsoka is more than probably any other character who's not in the films. But but it's still a small right, portion like, of the film-going audience. There are people who are like, Ahsoka needs to show up in episode 9. And I'm like, well, that would be cool for... You guys who know who Ahsoka is, but everyone well, else would be like, who? I'm, I'm going to say something that is going to piss a lot of people off. <laughs> oh, no, Brian. <laughs> Legends was made Legends uh-huh. because how the hell do you explain the Vong <laughs> to the general movie going audience? How do you explain all of the stuff that happens uh-huh. to the general movie going audience? And Ahsoka is great, mm-hmm. but how the hell do you explain that? And to the general movie-going audience. Well, this reminds me of, like, all of the clamor for an Obi-Wan movie, which I still want, by the way. But, um, you know, people were saying that they could have the Obi-Wan versus Maul showdown happen in an Obi-Wan film. And I always said that will never happen in a movie because the general movie-going public, to the general movie-going public, Maul is dead. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Even with Clone Wars. Yeah. Even with Rebels. General movie going public. Theron is dead. They don't watch the show. Like, Maul, Maul's dead. They might hear, they might have heard like, oh yeah, Darth Maul came back on the Clone Wars. But it's viewed as kind of this comics continuity thing. Oh, yeah, yeah you guess because he was live over here, but mm, not here in the films, right? Yeah. So I think it would be really hard to explain that. Um, but it, And it's kind of like if you watch... If you watched The Clone Wars straight through, and then you went to watch Revenge of the Sith, it's really weird that they don't mention Ahsoka yeah. at all. But I mean, and I like I and I, I and I'm not saying like Anakin shouldn't have had a Padawan because she's not mentioned. Like I, I think you know I think they worked around it well. Um, I think the end of that story was good, um, but. It is kind of weird that she's not mentioned, and well, you have to remind yourself, because it came out beforehand. <laughs> yeah, well, and here is ultimately a thing, and why I think Killing Your Darlings is important, especially with how Star Wars is just mining out these periods of time. Mm-hmm. It ultimately comes down to accessibility. Yeah. And our big roundtable review of the Rebels finale the thing I kept harping on and just kept drilling at was that by the end of Rebels, this was not a show that was accessible. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason for that was because they kept going to the well for these characters that was making increasingly less sense being at these points in time. And if you... You can write these characters, but if you refuse to kill your darlings, and if you keep moving forward, and you keep just coming back to the well, it all becomes less accessible. Mm-hmm. And I, one of my big concerns with whatever the next Star Wars animated property is, is that it's only going to be accessible to people like you and me, 
who have been there since the beginning of Clone Wars, who know all of these threads and characters and arcs that have been there from the beginning that are still wait, sort of intermingling through to now. At some point, you have to cut the thread and move on. And if you don't, especially for these children, children's animated properties, which are supposed to be these accessible entry points for a new generation of fans, you've got a problem. You can't get these new audiences in because you're telling you're asking them to be familiar with, at this point, 10 previous seasons of animated works because you can't kill your darlings. And I think that's what was so exciting when Rebels was announced and they started you know, get introducing to all the characters is that they were new characters. It was like a found family thing. And people really loved that. Um, if the next animated series is Sabine and Ahsoka's search for Ezra, they're going to have to do a lot of backstory to get in new, new viewers. And um, honestly, I think if that is their next animated series, that is an absolute disservice yeah. To the audience they're trying to reach out to. Yeah. They. Plus, I don't see how that could sustain an entire animated show. I feel like that would be like an animated movie or a comic well, or a and, book. And let's look at the practical. You're now spanning 10, se- 10 seasons of various works that are on different networks with rights constantly in dispute. Mm-hmm. It's going to be increasingly difficult to ask your audience to go back right. and consume all of this. Yep. Just so you can keep going forward. You have to cut the thread so- somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's why I loved the um, th- the Last Jedi novelization was because like I don't expect like Poe to mention his mother in a move in a sequel trilogy movie. But in the novelization there's a part when he thinks about his mom and like the story she told about Luke Skywalker, you know, while they're on crate. And I was just like, Oh my God, post thinking about his mom. And this is so great. But like, it's, it fits in the novelization. It, to me, like it would come off as it's always come off as odd to me when they've sort of mixed the mediums. Yeah. <laughs> and even like, even back in the day when, um, like when Star Wars books and comics first became a thing and at first the books and the comics had very different like they didn't they didn't ever come near each other mm-hmm. they didn't even they never met and it wasn't until much later when like there started being crossover with characters so yeah. but um so we mentioned Pacific Rim before and so now I can do you want to rant about that we don't want to save that for another one we're actually at an hour right now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Never mind. Um, I mean, we, we can talk about it briefly. Um, I mean, the difference between killing Mako Mori versus Stacker Pentecost. Mm-hmm. Stacker had a nice defined arc mm-hmm. through the movie. And you could see it running through to this end game in which he sacrifices himself. And it totally makes sense there. Now, Pacific Rim Uprising, you bring Mako Mori back and you kill her for reasons? Yep. Drama? 
That is killing a character for the sake of killing a character, and it just does not work. And you know who's the king of killing characters for the sake of killing characters? Joss Whedon. Joss Whedon. <laughs> um, Who has had varying success I will, with so, this. So the, he uh, famously stabbed Wash with rebar for literally no reason other than to create angst. Um, it's not like some logical progression of the character. Uh, uh why can't oh Tara, Tara was killed uh right when um you know they her and Willow basically become a thing um so Tara and Willow finally get back together and Tara is shot <laughs> and dies in Willow's arms stemming her to become Dark Willow and I always hated that <laughs> It's because that's what he does. A character gets happiness and then something terrible happens. Um, but if you compare it to the non-deaths in his show, they're really beautifully done. Like Angel. Buffy has to kill Angel to save the world and it's heartbreaking. And, um, you know, and then, you know, he comes back to life. So it's kind of like, well, that just kind of takes the wind out of the sail and then you have um you know buffy's death at, at the end of season five which i think is probably the best episode of that of that show the gift. i'd agree yeah um you know she realizes death is her gift and she sacrifices herself to save her sister and to save the world um and it works so well and it's beautiful and if it had ended if the series had ended there i think it would have been beautiful um but it, she came back to life and i think it was kind of you know i think you know i mean there were some episodes of season six and seven that i liked but generally i think like i think the show should have ended there <laughs> um but yeah so it gets, it gets to a point where if you extend a certain character arc too far yeah you start really straining the believability and credibility of the arc yep and I feel like bringing Ahsoka back at the end of season one of Rebels, having her through season two worked great. I agree. But bringing her back after that point mm -hmm. is what damaged the arc. And can we address the whole issue of like that people get angry when you say that they can't exist at this point in time because of lines in the original trilogy because you and I are both no slaves to continuity. Like we're not going here obsessing over what certain ships look like and, Oh, this didn't happen until this part in time. But I think there are some things that you should be slaves over continuity. And what well, happens in the original trilogy is, is one of them. Okay. So I, let's frame it as this. I think that, obsessing over when even pl died <laughs> yeah. is whatever yeah it's fine mm -hmm. but when you start retconning things are in the actual movies uh, yeah when you start retconning the big pieces and arcs of the films that's when you start running into problems and um what's what's odd to me is this willingness to let the animated series 
sort of retcon retcon the films mm-hmm. but at the same time you'll take a hard line over utterly trivial stuff like hobby died at hoth yes yeah which is was just done in a reference book of all things not yeah. even like if that had been done in like the star wars mainline comic like if they if the arc we're having now does have end up with them being rogue squadron goes through hoth shows hoth and shows hobby dying i would be upset but it would be in a story you know yeah like this was just kind of like why what's the point and now you're taking him away from like kieran gillen writing about the battle of hoth and what if if kieran gillen decides i want this character to live like what's gonna happen you know I feel it's just so and weird. And this is where quote unquote darlings Uh is more than just individual characters. Uh Your darlings are concepts. Uh Yeah. Like, why are you so fluid with no, there is another. another. And not even that. It's the last of the Jedi. Will you be? That's the bigger one. Why are you so fluid with that? Yeah. But you'll hardline over something that doesn't matter and you don't have to just worry about the last of the jedi will you be in return of the jedi you have to worry about it now in the sequel trilogy Mm -hmm. so if ahsoka is alive after the original trilogy she makes it out of the way to the sequel trilogy then then what happens you know say ezra comes back he gets involved with luke in his jedi academy we know kylo ren killed luke's apprentices and took the others like how many pretzels do you have to twist yourself into? Are we going to have a situation where they make a Resistance or a Jedi Academy TV show and they end up save, sparing the the main character and then saying, oh, well, he actually went off and did this, you know, whereas we just saw the movie where it says they all die. And again, we're not hardline continuity people. You've listened to us. Yeah. We're not. Yeah. So let me ask you a question, Brian. I don't think I've ever asked you this. We've talked before about Aaron Alston's biggest troll job when um, everyone thought assumed he was going to kill Wedge in the New Jedi Order books that he was writing because it was New Jedi Order. Everyone was dying and they're like, oh, Wedge is on the cover. Aaron's writing it. Wedge is going to die. He literally writes the last scene to have you believe that Wedge is going to die, and then he doesn't, which is the best troll job. But let's say, for example, that he did die in that scene as Aaron wrote it. You are Wedge's biggest fan. Would you have been okay with that? Yes. Okay. Yes, because um, Aaron- It was amazing. <laughs> Aaron wrote an arc for that character in those two books. Mm-hmm. And that, just in general. Yeah, and just in general, where Wedge going out in, in a, that moment, in that book, would have made total sense. Mm-hmm. It would have worked. It would have been becoming of the character, mm-hmm. and it would have been heartbreaking, Yeah, but totally earned and totally epic. And I feel like if, like... Luke, if Luke had died in the unifying force, I would have been so upset, but I feel like it would have been, uh, you know, a fitting for him to go out that way. 
fighting the Supreme Overlord. Um, and I compare it to the way Mara Jade actually died, which was very anticlimactic and didn't make sense for the character arc that she had and only really served to give angst to the the male characters like, in her life. <laughs> there's a middle ground here. I mean, I hate people saying that you have to kill characters mm-hmm. because oftentimes when people are saying that for those characters, there are very obvious ways in which you don't have to kill them right that still serve their arc and their character but i also struggle with people that say you shouldn't ever kill characters because it's right. lazy i a character death or letting go of this thread you like mm-hmm. makes sense as an end point to an arc mm-hmm. and I'm I'm okay with that happening. Yeah. I I have been on the record on the podcast as saying I I didn't think Luke Skywalker needed to die in the last Jedi. Um I still think they could have wrote a story in which he didn't die. Um I think the story that they wrote that was the only logical conclusion to that story. Um and I accept it as it is. Would I have liked to see the story where he didn't die? Sure. But that's not what we got. Uh, and, you know, I, 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 f- I feel like, you know, Ahsoka, sh- the way Clone Wars was written, it was written in a way that she did not have to die. And I think that was, that was good. Like, I'm glad she got to live and I'm glad she got to fight for the rebellion. I feel like the way she was written in Rebels, it really, and she wasn't the focus of Rebels. That's too also the problem. Um. I feel like sort of we needed an episode from her point of view. Uh, but, you know, it, that's just a matter of, sh- you know, I'm glad they brought her back. But if they had brought her back, they should have made her like a regular on the show for that season. <laughs> Maybe. Um, another example I have to bring up because uh, Bria will kill me if I don't is Aiden and Dell from the Battlefront game um you know Dell uh is killed at the end of the the first uh the first game there's like an epilogue in the sequel trilogy era and he's killed by kylo ren um it's heartbreaking uh but it's it serves a purpose um and then even more so in the downloadable content Aiden dies um getting the information about the dreadnought that they destroy in The Last Jedi. And, um, you know, Bria is, loves Aiden and was destroyed by her death. But she also, you know, says that's really the only way that could have ended. And it was like a, a beautiful story for her. Um, would it have, it would have had, sa- had the same effect if she hadn't died? Probably not. Same with The Last Jedi. Like, I hate that Luke died. I joke around saying, oh, he's fine. Turn off the TV. He's fine. He's good. He's just on Octo. Would it would it have had the same effect if he hadn't died? No. Mm-mm. No way. It would not have. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we can we can name death, good and bad deaths from Star Wars all day long. Uh, I think our go-to example for the best death in Star Wars will always be Ton Fainan from the X-Wing books. I mean, yeah, Ton Fainan's death. 
far and away is the best written death in the entirety of Star Wars, mm-hmm. films, comics, literature, mm-hmm. by a mile. Yeah. It was an arc that just naturally led to it. Mm-hmm. And the execution ultimately was beautiful. Heart <laughs> Execution. Aaron would love you for that pun. Aaron, <laughs> wherever you are, you're welcome. Um, but, yeah. Death. Death is a part of life. Death is a part of life. And death is something that needs to be a part of a finale to an arc sometimes mm-hmm. and sometimes it's really the only place you can go and to try and steer away from it mm-hmm. is to really throw a wrench into the arc mm-hmm. and to throw a wrench into the character yeah so sometimes you just have to steer into it it hurts but sometimes it's just what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's the only it's the only way to go. And it's cheating that character and other characters if you try to write around it. I remember reading about um the screenwriters of Rogue One that initially they wrote it to have the characters they tried to have the characters survive. And they kept having to twist themselves in knots to have it work with them not dying. And finally, I guess they had a meeting with Disney and they're like, oh, no, it's okay if you kill the characters. And they're like, "Okay, good. And then we and I know a lot of people don't like Rogue One because of that. Um, But I don't think Rogue One works. I don't think it works without everyone dying. And like and you compare that to like something like Rebels where like. You say, this makes sense that these characters sacrifice themselves to get the plans for the Death Star, and you never hear them again because they're dead. Um, I don't I don't think everyone in Rebels needed to die. I don't think Sabine or Hera or Zeb needed to die. I, you know, there was no reason for them to die because the, re- the rebellion is big. I think the problem is when you get Force users like uh, Kanan and Ezra. Yeah, and that's And, like... If they had gone out, like, I, yeah, but basically I just compare it to the way the Rogue One did it with the way Rebels did it, and, like, Reb- the ro- end of Rogue One will never not make me cry <laughs> because of it. Yeah. So. All right. Well, we should probably wrap up there. I think we've had enough of a rant for tonight. <laughs> what? We haven't ranted in a while, though, Brian. Yeah, it's true. We haven't. Uh, well. <laughs> Yeah, let's go ahead and wrap up there. Again, we do want to mention uh, we are at AwesomeCon this week. Uh, you, myself, or you, myself, uh, Bria's going to be there. Uh, we've got two-thirds of the uh, Star Wars Book Pod folks there. Uh, we are going to be recording stuff uh, that we'll have up in the feed. You'll get some panel audio, which I know y'all like. I Fingers crossed. I have tentative permission to plug in our field recorder to their mixers and getting some nice, clean audio. Um, but we should have some stuff from there. Uh, that's going to take, uh, the place of us doing TSR next week as we'll be recovering from, a trip out there. Uh, we may also have a mouse droid this weekend that we'll be uploading for you. Uh, so lots of great content coming to you. Uh, again, um, 
Tashi Station Radio Mega Feed. That's where you can find all of this. Uh, so go subscribe to that. Okay. This episode of Tashi Station Radio has been brought to you in part by you, our Patreon sponsors and uh, subscribers. Uh, again, the $1 level gets you into our patron-exclusive Slack team. Uh, the $5 level gets you into a... Uh, what are we doing at the $5 level now? Uh, the backer cast or tell us what to watch cast. Yes, the backer <laughs> cast where you tell us what to watch. We have a couple folks who have uh, suggested something. We're going to pick something out of that list that you'll make us watch and we'll talk about, which yes. should be fun. <laughs> okay, on Twitter, you can find us with the handles Tashi underscore station. That's the official show account. You can find Nancy with Nancy Pants. That's Nancy with an I. You can find me with Lane Winree, L-A-N-E-W-I-N-R-E-E. Uh, you can find our columns and news on Tashi-station.net. Uh, thanks for listening to another episode. We'll be at Awesome Con this week. Yay. Stay tuned. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>